Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Uh, This is one of those messages where I make no guarantees about the quality, uh, but I do promise you that when it's over, if someone asks you, what was the message about, you'll be able to tell them. It's not complicated. It's based on one verse in the Sermon on the Mount. Really, we're going to focus on one single command in this verse, just a few words. This is what Jesus said. Do not judge. So if someone asks you what the sermon was about, the answer is do not judge. Uh, You can point your finger at them and say it with some attitude if you want. Do not judge. Uh, It's a fairly funny thing how sneaky judgmentalism is. I mean, you can actually start to feel judgmental toward people when you're saying do not judge. Um, It's actually kind of fun to point your finger at someone. So this is it. This is the message today. Jesus said, do not judge. All right, let's close in prayer. (laughs) Uh, Question, how many exceptions does Jesus allow for with this command? Uh, Maybe based on someone's personality, which drives you crazy. Uh, Maybe based on their faults, which are many and deep. Maybe based on their weird beliefs, which you know are all wrong. Maybe based on their sexual orientation. Maybe based on their politics or maybe just their sheer unlikability. Jesus doesn't say, of course you can condemn them if that's their problem. Of course that would merit condemnation. Jesus gives no exceptions on this one. He makes no room for loopholes. He doesn't say, I expect you to try really hard uh, to make it a habit of not judging. Or don't judge someone unless they really have it coming to them. Of course, then that would be okay. Jesus says, in the kingdom of God, there's zero tolerance for a judgmental spirit. In fact, Jesus actually got in trouble because he refused to be judgmental toward people who everyone else, especially the religious leaders, judged. We're told one time the religious leaders said this, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Where people expected Jesus to judge and condemn people, I mean, they thought that was the moral thing to do, Jesus instead welcomed them and accepted them. In fact, you can look this up. Jesus continually, throughout his life, extended a non-judgmental attitude of acceptance to the ethnic rejects of his day, to the religious heretics, to the pagans, to the Samaritans, to the sexually scandalous, to the corrupt tax collectors, to the unclean, untouchable lepers. Ironically, the only people Jesus condemned were the religious leaders who condemned other people. To the religious leaders who passed judgment, this is what Jesus said, You Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness, you foolish people. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you. 
Because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Jesus was incredibly non-judgmental with sinners of every kind, with one exception, people who judged others. Do not judge. In fact, this is in line with the very mission of Jesus. We're told, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In fact, Jesus is so opposed to condemnation that we're told, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation? There is none. No condemnation. There's a lot of misunderstanding about this in our day. Jesus' mission in coming was to overthrow the spirit of judgment and condemnation and to bring acceptance to all of humanity. Jesus refused to engage in judging and instead he offered acceptance, even at great personal cost. His teaching was, do not judge. Therefore, the church, that which was founded and formed by Jesus, must be the least judgmental place on this earth. Christians, followers of Jesus, must be the least judgmental people on the face of the planet based on the life and teachings of Jesus. If the church is known for anything, if Christians have a reputation for anything at all, it must be we are radically inclusive, non-judgmental, grace-offering, soul-healing, fear-melting, misfit-embracing, community of irrational acceptance. People need to be able to say, you know, I have dark secrets. I'd be afraid to tell my therapist or people in the bar or a 12-step group or my best friend or my dog about my secrets because they might judge me. But I can stand in front of my church and tell them the darkest secrets because my church is a place where no one judges. If you meet a stranger sitting next to you on an airplane and it looks like they might have some problems, the first thing you should tell them is, I'm a religious person. So they will be able to say, I'm so glad my life is so messed up financially, emotionally, sexually, morally, relationally. I was afraid I would sit next to someone who might judge me. But now that I know you're a religious person, I'll tell you everything because I know you'll respond with acceptance and grace. How are religious people doing at being non-judgmental? How are Christians doing at being non-judgmental? The Barna Group did research among non-Christians and found that the primary characteristic they associate with Christians was their judgmental. This in the face of Jesus' teaching, do not judge. I've heard some Christians try to justify this by saying, the real problem isn't Christians. The real problem is non-Christians don't want to be confronted with hard moral truth. And I want to say maybe, like maybe that's the case. But it's interesting how Jesus was with people. I mean, the holiest man they had ever met. And he was also the most non-judgmental human being they had ever met. Maybe the word holy means something different than a lot of people think. All right, so here's the message today. It's real simple. Do not judge. We must abandon the deeply rooted practice of blaming and condemning other people. Now, we have to be real clear on what Jesus forbids. And so I want to say a little bit about what this passage does not mean. Uh, First, it does not mean we shouldn't be morally discerning or wise. I mean, if you go to the dentist and your dentist checks your teeth and says, 
your gums are receding, you have two cavities, it looks like you haven't been flossing. I mean, the dentist's job is to tell you that. The, the dentist is not condemning you or judging you as a person. If your dentist were to say to you, you idiot, your teeth are yellow and stained and dirty and crooked and disgusting, I despise your so-called oral hygiene. I mean, it's really oral logene. <laughs> you might wanna change dentists. You see, in our homes, in our families, in our places of work, in our relationships, we have to do the work of discerning right from wrong. I mean, we have to hold people responsible and discuss their failures and even assign consequences where that's appropriate without attacking their worth or uh, for forgetting their dignity as human beings. Jesus is also not talking about uh, judicial discernment, where a jury has to exercise discernment in a courtroom. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that kind of judgment. He's not talking about relational discernment, where we have to exercise uh, relational discernment in our lives. You know, I have uh, two daughters, and when they're old enough to date, you know, around 30 years old or so, and a boy comes to the house to pick one of them up wearing a leather jacket with images of death and fire all over it and a tattoo on his neck that says dangerous, uh, I, I'm gonna exercise some relational discernment at that point. That's when I uh, pull a bullet out of my back pocket and toss it to him and say, if you mess with my daughter, the next one's gonna be coming a lot faster at you than that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Like, I will be kind to him but I'm just going to exercise some discernment. Like every single day, every one of us faces all kinds of choices where we have to make judgment calls. You have to make choices. An employer has to make a judgment call about the skill and character of a job applicant. A jury has to judge the credibility of, wit of a witness. Uh, a coach has to assess the, the talent and the character and the heart of players uh, before determining who's gonna be on the starting team. A lender has to evaluate the honesty of a customer and their ability to pay back the loan before granting the loan. I mean, these are assessments that we have to make every day. Also, do not judge does not mean you have to put up with being mistreated. I read this recently. If you wanna know who loves you more, your dog or your spouse, lock them both in the closet when you leave in the morning. When you come home and let them out, which one is happier to see you? <laughs> Okay, well, that's not a good idea. The judgmentalism Jesus forbids is condemning and rejecting. It means indulging this desire to want to feel superior to you. I don't want to be humble. I don't want to think about your humanity. I want to experience the pleasure that comes with expressing contempt toward you. Condemnation is crippling. It's intended to be. And we've been trained in the kingdom of this earth. We've been trained to pass judgment on others as a way of trying to control other people. And we could do this effortless, effortlessly without even thinking about it or without even saying a word. Have you ever had someone in another car pass judgment on you? I mean, they could do it with an eyebrow or with a certain look or with a gesture. So if, if judging is something Jesus forbids, if it damages other people and corrodes our own spirit, why would anyone do it? I think the basic answer to that question is we judge because it's kind of fun. You'll notice religious people in particular have a problem with being judgmental. And often the more religious and devout they are, the more judgmental they are. 
It often works like this. We're judgmental toward people we're jealous of because we're afraid they might actually be having more fun than we are. We think they're living the good life and we don't like that. One of Jesus's most unforgettable stories about judgmentalism is the story of the prodigal son. He says the son, the prodigal, takes his inheritance and goes off to a distant country to squander his wealth on wild living. Uh, those are Jesus's words. And then he comes to his senses and he comes back home. And his father rejoices because his son is home. But his older brother is angry and says this to his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. This is the resentful, judgmental spirit. And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed a fatted calf for him. This is a brilliant picture of judgment. Notice the older son says to his dad, but when this son of yours, not this brother of mine, love always identifies with. Judgment always distances from this son of yours. Also, Jesus never said anything about prostitutes in this story. The older brother just made that part up. Maybe he's thinking, you know, I'm afraid I'm missing out. I'm afraid the good life is really just about having as much sex as you want with as many people as you want, drinking as much alcohol as you want, and partying as much as you want. I mean, that's what I would do if I could, but I can't because I'm the good son. And so if he gets to have all that fun and then comes home and gets to be with the father too, well, you know, that's not fair. Sometimes self-righteous Christians, and I understand that I can have this attitude, we just pretend, you know, we're above earthly desires and pleasures. We're superior to that. The reality is, at least for a season, sin is fun. I mean, that's why people sin. Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church, put it like this, if sin isn't fun, you're not doing it right. <laughs> that's not in the Bible, that's Craig Rochelle. A lot of times religious people become self-righteous and judgmental because deep down we're afraid we're missing out on the fun. We judge because it makes us feel superior. You know, it's the fun that we're allowed to have. If you watch The Simpsons, you know one of the characters in it is the guy named Ned Flanders. He's the evangelical Christian neighbor of Homer and Marge. And he said one time his wife and, and he had just gotten back from a Christian camp where they were learning how to be more judgmental. <laughs> in our day, people in general, uh, not just religious people, are trained to be judgmental. I mean, it's all around us. There's a philosopher who writes about the difference between the genre of tragedy and the morally superior posture of modern journalism. Uh, in tragedy, you know, think Othello, uh, Macbeth, King Lear, what happens is the audience identifies with the tragic central character. And they have empathy for those characters and experience a kind of humility about themselves because they think that could be me. In modern journalism, it's the other way around. We're encouraged to be arrogant, to have contempt for those who fall. The posture is, can you believe how stupid that politician or that movie star or that CEO or that celebrity was? Of course, we, you know, the writer and the reader, would never be so dumb as to do what they did. It's just the opposite of uh, the tendency of great tragic literature. 
We're trained in our world to think, can you believe how stupid they are? I would never do that. And Jesus is now inviting us to move from the kingdom of this earth into the reality of the kingdom of God, where we simply lay aside judging and condemning and superiority and blaming. All right, we'll talk more about this in just a moment. Jesus said, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, every day we have an opportunity to be a light in the world. And how often do we let opportunities slip by because we're so busy making up judgments about the people around us? You know, I'm, I'm guilty of being judgmental on a recent flight. The guy behind me smelled bad, he looked disheveled, and he seemed oblivious to the people around him. And at one point, a few of the passengers around me were nonverbally communicating and making fun of this guy. And I was immediately mortified, and I felt so convicted. You know, I didn't know anything about him. And it also occurred to me that maybe he acted oblivious to protect himself from the ridicule of others, which on this day included me. We all blow it sometimes. And, and here's the thing. The more that we judge others, the more we judge ourselves. We train our minds to find the bad. You know, what if we choose to believe that we're all doing the best we can? You know, some days we blow it. And on those days, don't we hope we're not judged and slapped with, hey, you're an idiot. You're just an awful person. You know, we, we all need and want compassion and love, don't we? And so let your light shine so that others can see it. Now let's rejoin Matt as he concludes the message. All right, so Jesus is inviting us to move from judging and condemning to welcoming and acceptance. And starting this week, we need to ask God to help us with this because uh, we're not gonna be able to do this on our own. We need to pray, God, would you make me accepting and welcoming in a world of condemnation and judgment? And you may wanna just start with where you live. If you have a family or roommates that you live with, how are you doing at living without condemnation or contempt or rejection or judgment? I know I can express contempt without even saying a word. I mean, the anger in my face says it all. It's in me. So how about you? How about at school? How are you doing there? How about at work with someone who's really challenging for you? How about with your neighbors? Now, part of what we're learning in the Sermon on the Mount is you can't stop sinning by trying really hard to stop sinning. You can't stop being judgmental by trying really hard to stop being judgmental. I need to ask God to replace a spirit of judgment with a spirit of acceptance, Holy Spirit-powered, genuine acceptance. There's a very powerful dynamic at work that Jesus teaches in this passage. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is just describing the human condition here. This is what might be called the law of re reciprocity. You tend to get back what you give. If you give love, you'll tend to get love. If you give anger, you tend to get anger. If you give distance, you'll get distance. If you give sarcasm, you'll get sarcasm. If you give joy, you'll tend to get joy. What you give is what you tend to get back. Jesus said, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I want you to imagine something. Imagine you're carrying around a bucket and a thimble, 
and you will decide every day what measure you're going to use. Do you give a bucket of encouragement to people or do you give a thimble? Do you, get a, do you give a bucket of mercy to people or do you give a thimble? Do you give a bucket of anger to people or do you give a thimble? How about when it comes to judgment? Jesus says, for the same way you judge others, you will be judged. In other words, judge others as you would have them judge you. How would you like to be judged? How much mercy would you like? A bucket of mercy or a thimble of mercy? You know, when you judge me, which is likely because I do dumb things sometimes, I would prefer you to give me a bucket of mercy. I want you to remember that my life is a whole story and that dumb thing that I did is just a small part of it. When I do something that deserves judgment, I want you to take into account my, my genes and my uh, deficiencies and my hidden pain. Remember, I'm introverted. Remember that I can get insecure. I can uh, have hidden scars. You know, I'm not really good at managing. My, my mom cleaned the house way too much when I was growing up. My dog died when I was a kid. Like I want a bucket full of mercy. And then do I give mercy by the bucket? Do I remember when I look at other people that they have stories and they have wounds and they have scars and they have genes and they have parents and they have hurts? A lot has happened to them over the course of their lifetime. Do I give mercy by the bucket or do I give it by the thimble? With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You see, when you do that, when you see past the, the surface uh, failure or shame or disappointment and you give someone a bucket of mercy that wasn't expecting it, I mean, that can change their life. In the book Switch, uh, Chip and Dan Heath tell a classic story about Tom Watson. He was the CEO of IBM in the 50s and 60s. And one of his, one of his executives made a decision that ended up costing the company $10 million. I mean, that was a lot of money for a corporation in the 1950s. And so he knew that meant he would be fired. So Watson called him to his office and he, he went there with a letter of resignation and said, I assume I'm here so that you can fire me. And Watson said, fire you? No way, I just spent $10 million educating you. And then he said something like this, you know, I can't afford to fire you, so get back to work. Uh, after the disciple Peter denied Jesus three times, failed him at his moment of greatest need, and then he meets Jesus after the crucifixion and the resurrection, I imagine Peter saying, well, Jesus, I suppose you're gonna fire me. And Jesus saying, fire you? No way, I just invested a crucifixion in you. I'm in the resurrection business, not the passing judgment business. Get back to work, feed my sheep. I mean, can you imagine the relief and the joy that Peter experienced in a moment like that? I mean, imagine what the words do not judge meant to Peter after that day. Do not judge. And I know, I know, it's hard. You may think, you know, there's someone in my life who has made really bad mistakes. Well, so have I, so have you. There's someone in my life who's really unlovable. You know, they're needy, they're cranky, they're greedy, they're mean, they're wrong. Are you never unlovable? Are you never mean from God's perspective? Really? Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you find yourself wondering, because Christians often will, 
Like, how then do I stand up for what's right without being self-righteous? It's a great question. I'll give you the best wisdom I know on this. It's from Dallas Willard. Offer gentle non-cooperation with evil. When talking about following Jesus at work, Dallas said, do your work diligently with God's help and then offer gentle non-cooperation with evil. And for a lot of years, I didn't really understand what he meant by that. And then it occurred to me as I was considering gossip, you know, we gossip because we get a little reward from the person we're gossiping to. You know, the other person leans in and listens a little more intently. They, they feel like you have something that they want and you're giving it to them. And so that feels good. And then you both get a sense of gratification from the feeling of being superior to the person that you're gossiping about. You know, we would never do what they did. You know, it's too bad for them. We should pray for them. <laughs> you see, gossip always involves judgment. To offer gentle non-cooperation with gossip would mean you don't ask for more details. You don't get gratification out of it. It probably wouldn't be fun to gossip to you. You don't point your finger and say, you know, do not gossip but you show no interest in hearing what's being said about the other person. Now, this is difficult because remember, if sin isn't fun, you're not doing it, right? Uh, gossip is fun. We like hearing bad things about other people because it makes us feel better about ourselves. But here's the deal. Sin turns out to be fragile. Like this powerful force for evil in this world turns out to be fragile in a lot of ways. One of those ways is sin, like gossip, requires collusion to be sustained. That means when a follower of Jesus offers gentle non-cooperation with evil, it can stop that sin. And so we need to ask God to help us live in, in such a way that, uh, that we are living in the vitality of his kingdom, that our, our lives are filled with joy just being loved by God and, and sin actually ceases to be fun. So you and I can offer gentle non-cooperation with evil. Now, you don't have to say that's what you're doing. You don't have to say to your gossipy, judgmental coworker, watch me gently not cooperate with your evil. It's just in your body and it'll have an impact on people without them even being able to put a finger on why. This is the kingdom of God among us. This is the, the way of Jesus. So today, we're turning from condemnation. Do not judge. Because of our relationship with Jesus, we're living in his kingdom, a reality where condemnation is simply irrelevant to our lives. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we don't even receive condemnation from other people, and we just don't let it in. We still have to receive feedback. You know, if your boss says to you, your work in this project was subpar, don't say, you may condemn my work, but God says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I repudiate your condemnation. <laughs> like, we still have to receive critique and feedback and criticism and do it with a humble spirit, but not condemnation. You don't have to receive condemnation. Now we need to ask God to heal us of our shame, and we need to live moment by moment in his deep acceptance of us. And we'll get into this more next week. Uh, we'll look at the most powerful relational prayer a human being can pray. But this week, we just need to set aside judgment 
This week, we need to offer love rather than condemnation to your friends and your enemies, to your parents and your children, uh, to your spouse, to your ex-spouse, to your employees, your employer, to your coworkers, to your neighbors, to the people you serve, to the people who serve you. And as you do, you will experience a new level of grace. You will begin to experience a new level of joy. You will begin to be more at peace. You'll find yourself entering into deeper relational moments because people will begin to open up to you and they won't even understand why it is that they're doing it. You'll be less angry. You'll begin to worry less. Uh, you'll begin to think about yourself less. You'll begin to encourage more. You'll be blessed and you'll be a blessing. All right, if someone asks you, what was the sermon about this week? You can tell them, do not judge. And if someone asks you, was the sermon any good? <laughs> you can tell them, do not judge. All right, let me pray for you. God, would you help us this week as we see people to see them the way that you see them? especially people who are different from us, especially people who uh, maybe irritate us. God, help us to see them the way you see them. And God, I pray that you would help us to do this, do this work of changing our hearts and our minds toward those people. Help us to be accepting and welcoming and loving and not judging or condemning. Help us to uh, to interact with people the way that Jesus would if he were in our place. And I pray that this would lead us to the kind of life that Jesus would have us live. And I pray that we'd be, we would be a, a brighter light in our places of work, in our home, in our neighborhood for you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.